With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Tracy Swedlow, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Interactive TV Today, also called ITVT, a free email news and web publication that covers interactive and multi-platform television developments around the world. I founded the company in 1998, so this is our 11th year in operation. This show is called the TV of Tomorrow Show Live. You can subscribe to our free email newsletter uh, on our new launched website, itvt.com, to receive free information about the industry worldwide, hear about the latest speakers appearing on this radio show, or about our TV of Tomorrow Show conference, which recently was held in San Francisco, uh, March 10th and 11th. To see pictures of that conference, please go to our site, itvt.com, or you can also go to the thetvoftomorrowshow.com. Next year's show is scheduled for March 9th and 10th, 2010, in San Francisco. On our new site, once you're registered, by the way, you can now set up your own profile, start your own blog, comment on the industry, make your opinion heard, upload and edit company profiles, start and join discussion groups, and much more. We are also posting job ads, and of course, you have all of our archives to search through. To listen to this show without calling in, please go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash ITVC hyphen tomorrow. Part of our mandate is to offer all sorts of interesting and informative interviews with high-level executives, creatives, and technologists who work at companies that are changing the medium of television aggressively, influencing the marketplace. Today, I'm very excited to speak to an independent content developer and producer, Mark Kornblatt, uh, M-A-R-Q-U-E, uh, Kornblatt, C-O-R-N-B-L-A-T-T, who's also a digital artist. He's here to talk about the challenges of producing an original on-demand online series and getting distribution and what he thinks about things such as social TV, interactive TV, and, and much more now that he's been to our TV of Tomorrow conference three times in a row. He thought this might be an unusual and interesting interview with some unique insights into the world of independent content production and, um, and how he perceives the, the future of interactive TV. As for his background, Mark is a full-time artist, inventor, robot builder, writer, do-it-yourself design expert, and, and of course we know him as a content producer. His series, Gomi Style, spelled G-O-M-I, uh, which is the word uh, in Japanese for trash, is uh, a do-it-yourself show about building eco-lifestyle objects. Last year during our conference, one of his episodes about how to build a cardboard chair was the number one video on YouTube. I believe it's been seen at least over a million times. His interactive artworks and performances have been exhibited at SFMOMA and many established museums and art galleries in New York and California. His work has recently been featured at our show, Modern Marvels, Monster Nation, Attack of the Show, and others. As a writer, he's contributed to Make Magazine, Giant Robot, and he is what he calls himself as a true promosexual, in other words, um, an expert self-promoter. So I believe that's really the culture of the future. Uh, how do you develop your own online series? How do you promote yourself using all these social tools? 
Mark's got a personal website, blog, social networks, everything you can imagine. So I think it's not, he's an interesting uh, person and uh, personality, and I thought it, it might be of interest to our readers. So, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for that lovely introduction. <laughs> well, you established it. Uh, by the way, if you want to find him online, you can go to gomisal.wordpress.com and also to markcornblatt.com. So, Mark, uh, you've been doing art and all kinds of other projects for many years. Uh, you did those Obama portraits based on, uh, I believe it was a, an Xbox platform. You did like four, plat uh, four, four of these portraits for our show this year based on um, that platform, which is really amazing to look at, these sort of slightly animated portraits based on the game platform. Is that true? Yes, uh, thank you. The, um, the artworks that I displayed this year at the at the conference were four framed uh, animated portraits of President Obama, and each one of them was made in a different Xbox 360 video game. Each of the games offers a avatar builder or character creation tool within that game, and um, the limitations of those tools are such that within each game, your character is always somewhat constrained by the, by the game itself. So in a gangster game, your avatar is going to be a gangster no matter what you do. And in a golfing game, your avatar ends up being somewhat yuppie-ish no matter what you do. And so I found it very interesting to push the portrait of someone that we know through these different filters of these different video games and see what comes out the other end and see how the, the role that they're, that they're playing shapes the, the uh, avatar's identity. And so this year at the show, I did it with Obama. The year before, I had actually done it with self-portraits, which I think, while interesting, of course, to the to myself, I don't know that those were quite as compelling to the uh, to the viewers, to the audience members, as the Obama pieces were. Well, for those of us who know you, we thought they were great. <laughs> <laughs> but the Obama portraits were really quite remarkable. But I wanted to um, mention that because it's definitely an unusual way to explore a platform like the Xbox, you know, which is built for video, built for graphics, and, you know, you really get some unique things with it. And you are, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the uh, intro and inventor, uh, you know, you are constantly experimenting with these platforms, with video platforms, with sculptures and corporate video, but you definitely are also a content developer, a producer of video programming. And I I'm, I wanted to let people know about your, your series uh, because, you know, you have worked very hard on it, and... Um, you have sort of struggled through the process of not only developing it, but um, I guess almost getting it distributed, or you have all kinds of other leads on it. But you know, you're as we also mentioned in the intro, you're you're dealing with the complexity of how to market this through all of these social networks. And I thought that, let's sort of I want to ask you about Gomisol. Can you describe what that show is and uh, you know how it's been doing and you know how it's been faring in an on-demand world on YouTube? Sure. Gomi Style is the name of my uh, DIY lifestyle and design show. I, I like to think of the show as half Martha Stewart and half Jackass. Um, but it's a very uh, decidedly green-oriented show where all the projects that we do have a very uh, ecologically responsible uh, uh, component to them. So we do a lot of dumpster diving, a lot of found technologies and repurposed uh, materials, um, a lot of liberated materials, and all of these things get combined into projects which um, are, are 
are lifestyle and home furnishing type projects, but they're all very responsible. They all cost almost nothing to produce. And and I would like to think that they're somewhat stylish or, or, or beautiful objects, that they're not just made out of, say, cardboard furniture, but that it's actually a kind of a neat design, and it's something that you'd be proud to have in your home, regardless of the fact that it's a recycled project. So that's the nature of the show, is to do these uh, do-it-yourself projects, and the, the, the projects can range from a bedroom redesign using old steel pipe and other materials to uh, converting an old motorcycle to a fully electric street-legal motorcycle. We've also done some robotic design projects where we take old computers and old erector set parts or a Roomba vacuum and, and actually create a brand new, uh, very sophisticated robot on top of that um, using essentially all found proje- uh, products and, and items. So that's the nature of what Gomi Style is all about. We um, originally started putting uh, clips online, mostly uh, uploading to YouTube, uh, about two, two and a half years ago. and. Um, I was very fortunate to be, quote-unquote, discovered by some um, scouts from a pretty major uh, TV network who then, out of the blue, essentially offered me a chance to develop my show for, uh, for their new, a new channel that the network was launching. So that was a, that was a million to one shot. Uh, go, I'm sorry? You don't want to say the, what the network was? Oh, I, 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 sure. It was Discovery Channel, and it was for Planet Green. And they were in the process of launching the entire channel, Planet Green, uh, from scratch, and it launched about a year ago. And so my show was going to be one of the uh, launch titles uh, when, when the channel actually went live. And unfortunately, they retooled the network and sort of changed the direction a little bit prior to the launch of, of, the, of the network. So my show never quite made it to air. It was a very exciting and interesting uh, experience to go through. Um, certainly a little disappointed that the show never made it to air, but it was such a such an educational experience for me that when that deal somewhat, uh, sort of fell through, I didn't give up on my show idea. In fact, if anything, it reinvigorated the idea that I could take my work online and be seen by the, the right people or enough people that the that the project might actually go somewhere. So I took it back to YouTube after being sort of offline for about a year during the development phase. And since then, going back to YouTube, I've been putting up lots of new episodes, trying out lots of different types of episodes, different types of projects, and and exploring all the radical developments that have occurred online with technologies, with the uh, networks that allow you to spread your message, with the ability to not just create content, but actually start to create the the entire network environment by which that content starts to get distributed. Um, so what? So you? How many um, hits or you know how many people have seen these gummy style shows? And what kinds of networks are you using to create a sort of interactive social network around them? Well, gummy gummy style has been viewed about a million times, maybe a little more than a million times on, well, I should say my YouTube channel has been viewed more than a million times. Of the 30 or so videos that I have up there, I'd say about two-thirds of them are Gomi videos, and the other third are short films and art projects and other things. So that whole channel has received over a million views, but in this past year, I haven't limited myself just to uh, YouTube. I've started 
uh, using actually a, a free service called TubeMogul, which allows you to upload your video and your meta information to them once, and then they distribute it out to YouTube and Vimeo and Rever and all the other ones. So in a single act, you can kind of distribute to about a dozen or more. And so I've started they're here in San Francisco. It's a, yeah, they're in San Francisco. It's a great, it's a great uh, new uh, startup. TubeMogul is a tremendous service for people like myself who want to distribute their material as widely as possible, but it's, it's not uncommon to spend an entire day managing a single video project across all the different sites that you have it posted to. TubeMogul allows you to do all of that management and tracking from a single page and a single site, which really saves a lot of energy. And for a content producer like myself, it has uh, been an, a liberating tool to spread the message out there. Um, so I've been doing that. And about a year ago, I, I felt like um, blogging started to get to a place where it started to make sense for me. I'm always willing to look at new technologies and sort of try them on and experiment with them. And quite honestly, I don't always understand what they're good for at first. And so a few years back, I was looking at blogs and comparing it to my website, and it just wasn't sort of adding up at that time. But about a year ago, as the sophistication and the uh, tools for blogging kind of came of age, in my opinion. Uh, blogging started to click for me, and I, and I launched two blogs at that time, one for Gomi Style. I realized that the, the show didn't really have enough of an identity on YouTube, and I had built a traditional web page for it, which was a little challenging to manage on a regular basis as I uploaded new content. And so at that point, the blog made perfect sense. And so I migrated Gomi Style over to a WordPress blog, and since then it's been much easier to manage, to track, to communicate with the with the audience. Um, just a few weeks I, ago, I'm sorry. Go mm -hmm. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say just a few weeks ago, I, I felt like I took it even a step further by uh, investigating uh, personal social networks, uh, the Ning model for social networks, and uh, I just launched a uh, social network around a, I guess you call it like a long tail idea, which is the the mobile robotic telepresence project, which I've been also trying to manage and utilizing online tools to kind of put that project out there. And for, for whatever reason, it wasn't quite clicking in all the different formats of web page or blog. And, and then as the social network tool became available to me through, through Ning, I was able to put together the kind of web presence and network and community that I felt was necessary to take that particular project forward. So for my Sparky robot project, I now have a, a Sparky Ning website, or not website, but social network, which allows any, uh, any member of the community to upload their own projects and software and images and communicate and ask questions about their projects. So I'm always looking for those technologies which help me to get my message out there. And different projects that I have require different versions of these web technologies to sort of best communicate those ideas. Okay, so you're you're building social networks, you're creating communities around your programming, and you know that's that's definitely doable, um, and it can be you know free, obviously. But yep. what about the content itself? I mean, you've been to our show for the last few years. You you sat in some of the sessions or in many of the sessions. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I'm so busy. I I, I see you there. But I, you, you know through me what interactive television can be. Um, beyond social networking and, and sort of wrapping people around you know, a, a project, what do you think about the idea of making your content interactive in the future? Have you thought about doing something like that where people could chat inside the video or, or upload images 
to the screen or create a hot spot that might take you somewhere else inside the video? Have you thought about ever developing um, a show based around interactive content ideas? Excuse me, I, I have, and over again over the sort of over the different moments in the evolution of these technologies, that idea has different weight depending on what sort of uh, enabling technology you're looking at, and so. For most of my experience, I found that those technologies I found that those technologies were a little daunting. The experience at the show at the uh, the trade show was I think because this industry is still so new. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And most of the players in the industry are still feeling their way and trying to figure out the structure of the deal. And things change so fast that the minute you feel like you have a handle on it, something new has come along. And so I feel like while I've been at the show, I've, I get a little um, almost anxious while listening to a lot of the conversations because they're so involved with deploying these uh, technology standards. And especially this last year, it seemed like looking for money, which is entirely understandable. But from my perspective, what's been missing from these conversations has been a real in-depth discussion of the content for interactivity and, and how interactivity requires a new approach to content. It's easy enough to put an online component to a popular show like Lost or, 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 or Desperate Housewives or any big show like that. It's easy to make something interactive online to kind of pull that audience in there. But those um, experiments haven't necessarily done so well, it seems. What I think is missing from the conversation is original intellectual property designed specifically for interactivity and sort of built from the ground up with that in mind. I, I, haven't, yet, I, haven't, yet seen, I haven't seen much of that occur beyond a few little experiments here or there, but I, I think that's probably the future of interactivity. There's plenty of secondary uh, distractions for, say, Lost or, or any other big show. But for interactive TV to kind of come into its own, I think it needs its own series, its own intellectual property that isn't borrowed from traditional media. Well, that's why as a content producer, someone who's involved with, uh, you know, um, trying to come up with shows where you know, you're making something or participating or you're trying to get other people to, to contribute content. I was curious whether or not you had an insight into how to make an interactive show. Like if you were to make an interactive show, what, how, would you, how would you want your viewers to be interactive in the first place? My phone's that's, a, that's a good question. In fact, 
this past week during the Game Developers Conference, I think I may have seen one of the better examples of an interactive show online working live. Not unlike what we're doing here, which is a radio uh, call-in show. I was uh, working with the Boing Boing TV folks while they did live webcasting all week during the conference from their, uh, mm -hmm. their location. And <clears throat> I got to see uh, these interviews occurring and while they were occurring in real time, the web audience is able to uh, chat and ask questions, and the chat window was open on a laptop on set. And in a very convenient and sort of casual way, the audience is brought into the conversation. Um, in it, it, it's still at the discretion of the host, who obviously has concerns for keeping the show moving and keeping the subject on, 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 on track. But there was a aspect to these inter, these uh, interviews or these conversations in which the web audience truly was a active participant, and almost the web audience almost becomes sort of like a third person on the couch. Um, well, you know, that's called it's actually called participation TV, or you know, in England they do it a lot when they're when you're playing a live game show, and the audience can make comments or or suggest a, an answer and try to win. And we've seen some experiments with that here in the U.S. on the Game Show Network. Um, and I've seen it and on G4 shows, as well. What? I've seen it on G4 as well. Where yeah, G4. Live, so, chat, live chat put up on screen while the show is playing. I mean, obviously, interaction and conversation is a form of interactive television and probably the, the most pure form. But, uh, you know, I'm curious as, an, as a content producer, if you were to produce a show and you would create, let's say, hot spots in the video itself, is that something that you would be excited to do? Is that something that, um, you know, where you might take people to a link or to graphic or to something new, or would you be, does that, does that make you nervous about, you know, creating that kind of content? It, it doesn't make me nervous as much as I would, I would say that, well, you know, I'm always interested in, like I say, trying on new technologies to see kind of what they offer, what insights they may provide. And so I'm always willing to, try to produce a show or, or, or some kind of uh, project in that manner. Um, it's hard for me to really say until I'm sort of doing it and getting a sense of how the audience may be participating or how they may be contributing. It's hard for me to say exactly what can be gleaned from that. But I think when you, when you look at a program like, like Gomi Style, it's not hard to imagine uh, a kind of real-time participation from others who aren't on set contributing in in, into that conversation. Um, I, I like the idea of allowing, um, allowing the, uh, the, the call-in participant, if you will, to be more than just uh, a call-in voice. Um, you know, as I described, I make this interactive video chat robot, which I think is a tremendous um, device for allowing people to remotely engage and interact on set with the host and with other people because that robot isn't just a voice or a video chat, but it's, an, it's a life-size being in the room with the rest of the people. And so then you get a, a tele-actor, a remote performer, beaming themselves via the web into this robot on stage and interacting with live people in real time. And so that's one way with the work that I do that I feel you could start to come up with really interesting uh, comedy scenarios you could interview people in a very uh, rich and organic sort of way, even though those people
people may not be physically present. Um, so maybe you have um, so interactive television could be in the future the uh, an actor could be video like maybe a hologram or something or inside a robot and they could interact with people. <laughs> I mean maybe interactive television isn't about just what you do on the screen, but maybe it, it'll be interacting with video. Right. Well, and, people. And, I, kind I, of I, like I, in Star Wars, you know, with Princess Leia. I mean, you'll actually interact with <laughs> video people sure. in the middle of the room. Maybe. And we saw some, you know, we heard about the whole hologram experiment from the um, the uh, staff people who did the CNN holograms. And you know, sure. there's a there's quite a, a lot of um, opportunity for that in the future. There is. You know, I actually, think you might have a question. You might have a question from someone in the audience. So you want to finish your comment, and I'll go to that person. Um, sure. Well, I, I think my comment was sort of naturally wrapping up with with your with your comment as well. So sure, let's take a question. Let's see. Let's see if this is a question. Hold on. This is uh, from DC. Okay. Hold on. Oh no, he disappeared. I guess he was just calling in to listen. Uh, Hello. All right. So. <laughs> This is, that's the risk you take with Colin Chacha. So when you were watching that Boing Boing uh, taping, were people participating and contributing to the show? Uh, I mean, Boing Boing's been around for a long time. They do a really good job. It's pretty much, you know, about, uh, you know, media and culture. It's not specifically about an industry program or a do-it-yourself show. Right. Yeah. Were they, were they participating okay or were they having a lot of problems? No, I, in fact, I thought the participation was um, exceptionally high quality. Uh, every now and then you'd get, like, I don't know what you call it, a troll or someone in the chat room who would be spamming a link or a web address or something. And so you have your normal little issues. But for the most part, those issues were very minor and very secondary to, because I was watching the chat as well. Most of the conversation was, was very thought-provoking and somewhat intellectual and even sometimes a little bit funny because it wasn't all serious. They were doing these crazy uh, on-set dances wearing these Katamari Damasi uh, heads. So there was definitely an irre irreverence and a, a kind of thread of lightness and humor throughout the whole thing. But the quality of the discourse, I thought, was, was exceptionally high. And, in fact, those audience interjections and comments really carried a lot of weight and seemed to change the direction of the conversation. So in a sense, the audience got to choose the direction of the interview based on what what they interjected, what they put into it. Have you ever heard of Choose Your Own Adventure? The Choose Your Own Adventure series? Oh sure, I remember the uh, old paper books that were that way, the little novels. Paperback. Yeah, sure. Uh, what about a What about a Choose Your Own um, Do It Yourself <laughs> show? I would love to do that. I the only thing that comes to mind on that one is. I need a, a, a producing partner to pay for it, but I think that would be a great show. If you almost, you could almost start with like a blank like house, and it's a house ready, you know, ready to be torn down to the studs, and then you could almost kind of click your way through it, looking at the projects that you were interested in as this house gets remodeled. So if you were only uh -huh. floors and skylights and roofs, you could just look at those parts of the house. Or if you were interested in, you know, the wiring and the plumbing, you could kind of look at the guts of the house and kind of follow your video show through the house based on your your interests. I think that would be a... Your audience's interest. You know, um, there was a show uh, several years ago called Todd TV that was on FX, and I thought it was a really, really great setup. They, um, they plucked this guy off of Manhattan Beach or something in, you know, south of LA, and basically the audience was able to vote on 
what he would, was going to be able to do with his life. And you were given two choices, you know, A and B. And you would call in over telephone or you would, you know, send SMS text messages and, and they would accumulate these, vote, these votes. And he would uh, get to do this or that. Um, uh, he would be given a choice and then you would see the next episode of how he lived out that choice. And he wanted to be a musician, a professional musician. So they kind of threw him into these situations where he could be a, um, a gorilla ground guy singing on the street, or he could be the gopher of some uh, rock and roller. There was some famous rock and roller guy from the White Snakes group. I can't remember what his name was, but I'm sure you'd know who he was. Exactly. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, it was really amazing to see the choices of how the audience selected, um, you know, which which direction he should go in. And, and then during the week, they would also take um, uh, moments where people would call in on, I think it was T-Mobile, uh, and, and you would call in and send him in more instructions so that he'd have to dive into a pool all of a sudden. You know, his whole life would be sort of manipulated. So um, I always thought that was a great show. It's too bad it didn't last very long. It may have been a little bit momentarily ahead of its time because I think that idea has a lot of merit now, whereas maybe even two, three years, whatever ago, it may have been kind of less interesting to the audience. But I think nowadays that the audience is starting to get used to the idea of their participation um, I think something like that could uh, really take on. Oh, in fact, I think there was one on, maybe it was on DIY Network, called Blog Cabin, in which they, the design and the build of a log cabin from scratch was determined by votes from the viewers on what they wanted to see in that building as it went up. So literally it was designed by the audience. I, I believe that's a, a similar situation. What you were just describing, though, made me think, really the only thing I would want to add to that dynamic by which uh, the audience sort of gets these choices and gets to call in or vote in on the direction that the that the lead uh, character takes is I would want to take it even a step further and have it almost be like a live feed, like almost like tapped right into the guy's brain. So he almost was at the literally at the will of the audience. And as the audience votes one way, he can't necessarily help himself but kind of go that way. And as the audience votes for a different sort of direction or a different project, he literally is sort of unwilling to prevent himself from following the, the lead of the audience. I know that's a little bit of a sci-fi sounding scenario, but um, actually those technologies are being developed by, by hackers and DIY folks, and they're pretty compellingly available. You could almost start to make people control the direction of where they walk and how they interact by literally tapping into their brain function. Um, so that would be uh, we, Joe. <laughs> um, we actually don't have any time left, Mark. Um, we should have made the show longer. But um, and uh, a friend of yours, uh, DC Spensley, is um, in the chat room and said say hi to you. Oh, hi, DC. Thanks for calling in. And uh, anyway, I want to thank Mark uh, so much for coming on the show and uh, thank you. Um, giving us all your insights into you know being a content producer. There's so much more to talk about, but we have to go. Uh, you can find Mark's work at uh, markhornblatt.com or M-A-R-Q-U-E-C-O-R-N-B-O-Y-L-A-T-T.com or you can go to gomi, I think, dot wordpress.com or to gomistyle.wordpress.com, G-O-M-I-S-T-Y-L-E.wordpress.com and, of course, you can find Sparky, uh, Sparky S-P-A-R-K-Y-J-R.ning, N-I-N-G.com and, of course, you can find Gomi on uh, YouTube. There's so many more projects, but that's it. Uh, this has been Tracy Fredlow, Editor-in-Chief of Interactive TV Today, and producer of CBS Marshow. You can get all of our news and information at icv2.com and subscribe to the email newsletter. 
uh, we'll put this interview out tonight. So thanks very much, Mark. And uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Okay. Thank you very much. Take care.